This is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the Books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. My guest today is my dear friend and SEAL teammate, Mark Owen. Mark is the author of No Easy Day and No Hero. He was involved in the Captain Phillips rescue and in the raid that killed Osama bin Laden. We talk about all of that on a Danger Close podcast series that you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and my YouTube channel. He is also an executive producer on the CBS hit show SEAL Team, which is now on Paramount+. And now, without further ado, Mark Owen. There he is. Man, dude, thank you so much for coming back on. And I think yeah, the main reason I have a podcast is just because things are so busy these days. It's a chance to get to catch up with buddies. So, man, it is good to see you. It's called a twofer. Oh, so cool. You get a two for one. There we go. There we go. <laughs> man, what's, what's, what's in the background there? What's over your right shoulder? It might all be blurred out, that back, even the background. What is it, it is, if you know the story behind 30 Seconds Out, uh, Sean Evangelista's company right uh teammate that i worked with got out uh went, went to some art therapy uh as he got out and and that was an image and i don't, I don't know if you can see see what it is right it's the operator bent over it's got the wings the halo he's uh got a cigarette over a bottle of booze there's the the, the painting says a lot and uh and i i got it as a gift a few years ago uh sean actually painted it himself so that's cool. awesome. That is very cool. Yeah. Did he, does he still have it? Did he sell it or does he, what, what did he do with 30 seconds out? Is he still? No, no, he's, he's still there, right? Uh, they're, they're crushing the t-shirt business. Isn't he also um, like a mountain guide? Isn't he becoming some like mountain guide or something that I saw? Yeah. Recently? Yeah. He's crushing it. He just moved to Colorado and he's doing mountain guiding in Colorado. I, I want to say he did some stuff with ironclad recently. Yeah, they probably did. Uh, is the, is 30 seconds out still in, um, uh, where was it? Was it in Idaho? Yeah, it was in it, Sun Valley. It was, uh, Sun Valley, Idaho. They, they've since moved They're in Um, they're in Colorado now. Okay. Um, the whole no, thing. So the, the whole no. operation moved. I believe so. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. But they're, they're crushing it. If you, if you watch all our, uh, all our actors on seal team, right. If, if you notice the t-shirts they wear, yeah. right. A lot of the guys are rocking the, the 30 seconds out. And that was a, that was a, a slight nod to, to Evan. Nice. I like it. Yeah. You, they were in 30 seconds out and, uh, I see some forged in there as well. I see them. Yeah. Yeah. They, There's uh, some forged in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we try we try and subtly support the brands we can, you know, nice. without uh, you know CBS marketing getting involved and trying to charge them. Yeah, have they? <laughs> have they? Uh, anybody gotten ever gotten in trouble for putting uh, wearing a hat or a shirt or a patch on the show that they shouldn't have or not shouldn't oh, have, I'm, but they, well, they you, should you, have? You, but did they get ever gonna like, hey, you might want to, you know? I noticed that my books well, you, were never on the shelves in any in the background of any scenes. You know, I noticed that. Yeah. Well, you know the deal with the legal process in, in doing these scripts from, from legal reviews and names to you name it. And so, um, yeah, I, I would say the only thing, um, if you watch SEAL Team in season one, one of our actors got booted, like a boot on his car from the security at CBS uh, Studios, right? So 
So we cut the boot off his car. And in every episode of, of season one, the boot is somewhere in the background of, of, of the episode. It, it's buried. It's hidden. But you can see it if you look close enough. Oh man, that is so fantastic. Gosh. And, uh, yeah, we talked a little bit about that, that whole thing, how, how it all came about last time, uh, you were on and, uh, man, it's still going. I mean, did it, is it, are we between seasons? We had the writer's strike. So that I mean, meant you should have been filming this past summer, but didn't because of the writer's strike and the SAG strike. So what's happening with the show? We're still on hold because of all the strikes, right? Now we may be able to start writing, but nobody can start acting yet until that yeah. piece gets sorted out. Um, so yeah, we're we're on hold like the rest of the world. Oh man, um, yeah. What's your what's uh? Did, did doing the show make you want to do more in Hollywood or less in Hollywood? <laughs> um, um, more, but with the right people. Yeah. Right. I think with any organization and any any environment, you got to figure it out. And I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. I'd never worked in Hollywood. Uh, we worked in a very different environment for a very long time. So. So, OK, come to the new environment. Uh, learn the world before you, you learn to speak up. Right. Uh, eyes open, mouth shut. See how the sausage is made. See where you can add value. Um, and then you start seeing who the, the, the studs and the duds are, right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, who you can trust and who you can't. And that's, that's similar in every environment, uh, whether you're in Afghanistan, whether you're in the SEAL teams, whether you're in, uh, Hollywood, yeah. right. You got to check all those boxes. And, and I've been lucky enough, the show's gone seven years now. So I've, you know, I've seen a lot of growth. I've, I've spent seven years learning and, uh, getting dangerous in that space, um, and then, you know, learning who, who, uh, the, the right people are to team with, uh, who you can trust, et cetera. Um, all stuff I'm sure you've learned as well. Yeah. It's and, interesting. Uh, yeah. And then, and then chase the, uh, chase the opportunities, right. I've been lucky enough to parachute in and, and get the show going to, yeah. to where it's been. Um, and, and yeah, so. Yeah, I've got I got a couple things up my sleeve that I'm I'm working uh, nice. in that space. So we'll, we'll see what plays out. Nice, nice. So was it was it uh, fall 2017 when it uh, came out? Oh, geez, yeah, somewhere in there. The test our math. You know, I'm bad math. with dates. Oh, <laughs> uh, speaking of memory and everything like that, um, we'll probably jump back to Hollywood here in a second. But um, how's everything going? Like leaving after after leaving the military? I know you you did some. Uh, uh, different therapies here and there. And it, are you doing yoga still? What are you doing? Like workout wise and, you know, brain wise, you, I mean, what are you doing to, to, to keep yourself healthy and in, and in shape? Um, and how's, yeah, how's that, how's the memory? How's all that stuff going? Yeah. Jeez. Um, well, I turned into like a fat mess when I got out. I mean, I, uh, you weren't that I, fat. I, 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 <laughs> I think everybody goes through their transition phase. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I had, right. I think everybody has a set of medical issues. You had a couple, you had a couple other stressors. You had a couple outside stressors as well. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot going on, <laughs> but, but, I, um, right. I think everybody does getting out, whether it's just the, the, the transition out, whether it's the, the physical side of things, right. I've, I've had five neck surgeries from, from our, uh, our good friend, um, uh, so, so I think starting there, yeah, from Doc Ray. Five. And, but one, wow. like you were, was it one or two? And then you got, like, was it rear-ended where you guys got really, I mean. Yeah, yeah, 
That was serious. Yeah, that wasn't uh, like a little tap. Was, that was like, that was serious. Yeah, it was a good uh, three, three neck surgeries, feeling great again. And then, uh, and then rear-ended driving to a charity event in, um, in Chicago uh, in a rental car and uh, re-injured my neck again. So then a couple more surgeries and, and, and now that's better, right? Um, oh I, you know, uh, I, I've done the stem cell treatment where they, uh, right, uh, stem cells, it wasn't in a joint or anything. It was kind of put in an IV through my whole body. That was, that was amazing. I, I really thought uh, positively of that study. Where'd you do I that? The brain. I did that out of San Diego, actually. It was a, I got involved with a study. It was uh, for NFL athletes and, and former operators mm -hmm. with traumatic brain injury type stuff. And it was, uh, right, harvest your own stem cells, give them to you through an IV, um, and they gave us a round of cognitive tests before and, and after. Okay. Uh, and the study was to see if it, you know, the, the stem cells uh, reduce swelling in the brain, uh, countered some of the, the TBI effects. That's what, and the cognitive studies on the beginning and the end would see if right it helped with our memory. Okay. Uh, I, I, I can't tell you if I'm any smarter. I'd probably stutter <laughs> more and drool just as, about the same. But uh, do you but, remember? Uh, do you remember what happened it, at the end? Do you remember what happened between those two studies? It, the, uh, the negligible on uh, on the memory piece. I, I would say the the biggest thing for me is I, I'm super sore. Right, five neck surgeries, a, a lot of uh, beat down through my career. I, I take Motrin all the time. I'm sore. I'm achy. Right. I do mm. my yoga to to counter that. But I had I had no Motrin. I felt great. No sore muscles. No anything for like six going on nine months wow. after I got that um, that transfusion. So. I don't know. It was part of a study. If I could do it every six months, I'd go. I'd go do another round. Really interesting. Yeah. Well, you never did the injections right into the into your neck. Nope. Nope. That was all Doc Bray working his magic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what was the what was the brain treatment stuff after that? That was um, that was a lot of guys. Right when I got out, it was before NICO. It was before a lot of the the stuff that the command was actually sponsoring. Because you didn't um, do NICO, right? Is that no? I missed all that, man. I missed everything. Yeah. I, I I got out right before all that hit, where they really started doing the the studies. Right, I got out. I sat down with a, a doc, and he's like, you know, check all the boxes on the sheet that apply to you. I checked every single box, and he's like, yeah, yeah, all, all those are signs and symptoms of PTSD. I'm like, what? I feel fine. What's, yeah. I, I don't know. Anyway, so I I missed all that. Um, so yeah. By uh, by 2017, I had heard from uh, mutual friends of ours about the Brain Treatment Center out in San Diego, uh, California at the time. And that was the right. They give you the EEG. They read your brainwave. And then they use the fancy magnet to kind of tap your brainwaves back down into normal parameters. Yeah. Um, and I had like crazy anxiety and no sleep issues with all everything I had going on uh getting out and just the government nonsense just all of it um so i went out there in 2017 and uh and and man i thought it was crazy witchcraft uh it's magnets it's i sat down with the doctor they read my brain waves and the doc i'd never met this guy before he looks at me he looks at the squiggly line he's like you don't sleep do you i'm like oh yeah all right he's like you have anxiety i'm like yeah. like he started listing all this stuff that i had without me ever talking to this guy. And yeah. so he had me hooked. And then you, you sit down in the chair, they like use the magnet on your forehead for 30 minutes a day. Um, and so, yeah, that, that helped uh, a decent amount with my sleep and anxiety and, 
so yeah, I've, I've tried a decent amount of this stuff. Uh, how, uh, how much do you think, I mean, who knows, was the guy's na first name doctor or was he an actual doctor? Did he go to medical school? Yes. Yeah. There, there's a whole bunch of actual MDs. Behind right, just this. And, and, and before I went, our, our good friend, Doc Bray was like, I'm, I'm going to vet this with you. So he, yeah. he went over and sat down with me. I stayed at Doc's house when I went through treatment. So, yeah, man. And we have some other friends that went through around the, the same time who say that it changed their lives. Um, yeah. I, th I think it helps. I think it's one of many things guys got to do. I think the most important thing is just kind of getting out of your own way and saying, Hey, I, I need some help. And, and then finding those new solutions that work for you. It's different for everybody. And um, so, yeah, I mean, we know a lot of uh, colleagues of ours that are doing the psychedelic stuff, mm -hmm. um, which I think is having a huge positive effect. So, so yeah, it's, I think there's different, different options for different people. Different people have different issues. Yeah. Um, then I think the whole point is to, for, for, for guys like us to talk about it, to get uh, the stigma uh, out of the way that, Hey, actually, you know, guys need to go seek some sort of help. Uh, I, I tuned up my car every, you know, I, I maintenance my car. Every time I need a maintenance, my car, I clean my gun. I, I do all the maintenance on my, my war fighting equipment, but I did none for myself Yeah, for a very long time. And so I think that's, that's just, we got to talk about that. Yeah. I wonder how much is placebo stuff or how much it actually like the doctor's like, it's a pretty good guess that you're not sleeping. If you're there, if you took the, if you're like there, you probably tried to do everything you possibly could to, uh, you know, avoid doing anything extra, like going and having to spend time sitting in a seat somewhere with a magnet attached to your head. Um, so it's a pretty good guess. I would say that a doctor like you're having trouble sleeping, aren't you? Yeah. 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 Damn. Let's see. Uh, you know, like that sort of a thing. Are you, uh, are you drinking too yeah. much? Yeah. You're How do you know? How did you guess? <laughs> You're the Vegas poem reader. You're exactly. Like, oh, this guy's so amazing. Like, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the you're the 30th operator. Exactly. I feel like <laughs> week, you know, I've got you guys pegged. I know exactly <laughs> what to spoon feed you and you're going to believe. Yeah. I, I feel like I could attach those little electrodes like to your head or anybody operator's head and sit down there and put on a, like a white jacket and put, you know, a little doctor on my thing and say those same things without looking and just pretending like I'm reading something. But um but like you said it who knows? Like if it's helping guys, uh, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. And, and to what degree, right? Because at the same time I did that, I started meditating. Right. And so what level did the meditation apply? What, what value do you apply to the brain treatment? What value do you apply to the, yeah. to the stem cells? What value do you apply to faith and all these right. other pieces? Uh, and I think it's, Right. It's, it's, it's when you're in the seals, we don't train just to do CQB. We train to do a lot of different things. And I think it's, it's, you got to kind of have a similar approach when you get out. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to try a lot of these things. Yeah. And if I can get 10% value and, and put that in my pocket yeah. and use it when I need it, great. If not, all right. Yeah, move try on. something else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I guess a lot of it is that there are so many more options now than there were for guys coming back from Vietnam. Like imagine those guys coming back zero. They had nothing. And, uh, you know, now there's, there's a lot of different options, but the key is, I think you have to try them out. Like you said, you gotta try the one, I mean, you find the one that works for you or the two that help, you know, a certain percentage and you yeah. know, figure it out. And well, move forward. And, and it can't just be the one, right. It can't just, Oh, I'm not just taking this blue pill and it's yeah. going to be easy. And this, Oh, I'm doing this and it's done. I'm going to go get my brain zapped. Yeah. No, not that easy. It just like everything else in life, it takes hard work and the, and the commitment to stick with it. Cause you, you can go to your psychedelic journey, come back and then fall off that wagon just as quick. And yeah. so it's, 
it, it's a combo approach. Yeah. Yeah. And so what you're finding the yoga, are you still, so you're still yoga meditating? Are you throwing weights around? Are you running? What are you doing on that front? Yeah. I do a little bit of weights, you know, with my neck, I'm, I'm not throwing anything heavy around, but, but yeah, I, I enjoy my weights. I got a little basement gym. I don't, I don't, I don't drive to 24 hour. Um, <laughs> so no, I get it done here. Um, I'm, I, I am routinely asked to go to yoga. Uh, I, I may tag along here and there, but not often. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so Hollywood front, I mean, um, I don't know if we can talk about it, but you had a call or no, you had a sit down meeting with Spielberg. Is that, is that right? Early on before SEAL Team CBS? Yeah. Yeah. He was like one of the first guys I ever met that like um, through the book, right? Through No Easy Day um, and my agent there, right? They all work in those worlds of buying uh, manuscripts and whatever. So next thing you know, they were like, hey, Steven Spielberg would love to meet you. I'm like, okay, cool. So went down, met him was like one of the first guys I met, um, phenomenal meeting, interesting guy. Uh, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, the, the second guy I met, they, they set up meeting up with a guy named JJ Abrams. Yeah, I, I, I had to Google, I, I had to Google who he was. Oh, I was geez. like, hmm, okay. <laughs> so, sounds like a big deal. Mm-hmm. I had heard of Spielberg, but, uh, <laughs> Abrams. So yeah, had a couple of those meetings. Did and, you ask Spielberg if he's made anything that you might've seen? <laughs> no, we had, we had, we had a really good conversation. He was, um, I, th- I think I might've had a 30 minute meeting scheduled with them and it went like two hours. And, uh, just, I remember a really intelligent conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and I was impressed. Cle- clearly he's got the, the resume he has in the background <laughs> cause he's at that level. Yeah. Was it, was it his office or at his house? At his office. Was there any memorabilia you remember from uh, like, did he have like a Jaws sticking out of the wall or anything? Oh man, he had a ton of stuff. You, yeah. you know, the one thing I always remember is, be, and, I, and I've been to his office multiple times and, and the meetings I've had with him, I always remember the same thing. It's right. You're all in the, the, the conference room right off of his office and right. You're sitting there and, and before he comes in, somebody comes in and places his tea hot tea down in front of his place and right, you know, but does the one spoonful of sugar, stirs it three times clockwise, you know, clanks the spoon twice, sets it down. As they walk out, they set the mood lighting. He walks out and like two seconds later, the man himself walks in. Awesome. And that, that's been the routine the several times we've had a meeting. I'm like, oh, that's, a, that's a pretty good entry. Oh man, that's, that's pretty solid. He didn't ever sit down and say, this spoon was only clanked once. Yeah. Nope, never. That's awesome. Never. Man. Like he, he never gave off the pretentious vibe one yeah. day. He just that was that was his gig and I respect yeah. that. There's a cool uh photo. It's uh it was sponsored by Rolex and it was uh it must be from let's say 83, 84 time frame, somewhere around there. Uh celebrity shotgun shoot uh in Hollywood. And it's uh him and Harrison Ford and shotguns were sponsored by Rolex. Like that's a different time. <laughs> yeah, that, that ain't happening anymore. No, unfortunately, it's not uh, not too common <laughs> anymore. But uh, oh man, so what what's uh, what uh, what would you like to do in in Hollywood circles? Is that something that you're passionate about, continuing down that path, or is it just one of many different, let's say, verticals that you're uh, that you have going on? You always have a lot going on. You always got uh, sure, sure. What, always you know, always I'm on the hustle. Putting all my eggs in, not putting all my eggs in one basket, and, and with the recent strike. Uh, It'd be a perfect example of why I wouldn't want to go all in on the, on the Hollywood space. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I've, I've learned a lot and, and, and built some great relationships with some amazing, super smart, talented people. 
and, and uh, Fuqua being one of them, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and had have built a long standing relationship with him and, and have, have had the opportunity to bring him other projects and, and present other things in this world. So, so yeah, definitely um, still playing in it. Am, am I, am I moving to LA anytime soon? Not a chance. Um, do I, do I look forward to playing in this space? Yeah. I mean, we've done some great things with seal team. I, I don't, you know, we try and promote it through CBS and, and Paramount, but, you know, I don't, I don't think they've done a, the best job that they could have. We've had hundreds of vets involved in this show yeah. from season one, hundreds, not, not just two or three. Right. We've had them at every single level from directors, writers, producers, uh, stunts, background, you name it, editing. Um, and that's been really fun and encouraging to see. We've got uh, the actors involved, right? We brought in um, through the Gary Sinise Foundation. We brought in 30 Gold Star Widows. We gave them a tour of the set. We brought them down to our, our team room set. Mm-hmm. We had the the widows sit there, and I asked all the writing staff to come down. And you know, writing staff came down, and then we asked for all the all the the gold star families around the table to share the story of how they lost their loved one. Yeah. Right, and and they did one by one around the table. Our writers are sitting there, clearly by the end, crying profusely and, and letting the the stories sink in. And at the end of the day, I'm like, guys, look, right. We're, we're creating a SEAL team show here. Sure. We're going to have to shoot them up stuff, but you have to balance it with all these other pieces um, to give it the reality we've, we've tried to give it. So. Yeah. Well, it's really good. I, people ask me about it all the time. Is this real? Is this real? And uh, I just say, man, you guys did such a good job with it. It's uh, you know, it's a fantastic show. Um, and I wonder how I, do you have any indication of how long it's going to, can, is it season by season or do they ever go like, Hey, now let's say you're at season four, you're renewed for another two seasons. Or is it always like just one after the other? Uh, it's, it's been a wild ride, right? Yeah. You, we never know after the first season, if you're weird, you know, it was a long way to get the second uh, mm. third and, and then we moved to Paramount. And so it's been, it's been a learning growth process the whole time. I, I don't think we've ever got more than a, you know, whatever the shortest order is mm. um, and boom, deliver that and, and move on. So, right. It's a big company, as you know, that gets stood up for that uh, period of time and then yeah. it gets dissolved and yeah. then it gets stood up and then it gets dissolved. And so it's a, it's an interesting way of doing business. Mm, as much as I like to say, Hollywood and the military are very different. I think there's a lot of similarities oh, yeah. the way the, the process goes down. Um, and, and what I love the most is the creative people in the Hollywood space. Yeah. They're like, they would have been great seals to some degree because seals are very creative and have to think outside the box. And I think uh, a lot of the people that I've, I've really gotten to know and, and become friends with in the entertainment industry are also massively creative. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, yeah, you guys have done a fantastic job with it and it's, I'm always just curious, um, how the other people's experiences are in that space. Cause it seems like everyone's experience is, uh, there's not like a common path. It seems like, it seems like the way these things, uh, are discovered or pitched or created or get to the next level. It seems like they're all different. Cause I'm always asking, I'm always so curious and always, uh, asking like how, you know, you got this made or that made or, and it seems like it's all, it's not like a, a cookie cutter model. People are always 
wanted to reach out and ask me how you, how you got published or how you got the show made or whatever else. And I don't think there's not like a, uh, like a, a path that, Oh, here's the secret. You got to do this or that. Right. No, it's, it seems well, like every experience and, is so different. And I agree. And if you told them here was the path, you'd be lying to them because you and I are examples of the outliers, right? We did not go to school for, right, uh, production design, whatever, like all yeah, yeah. these different things that people are going to school for to get into this space, right? And, and here we are, we, we did not, we took a totally different route. Um, I, yeah, and I think there's pros and cons to each route. Um, I would say anybody who says there's some sort of limiting level to get into Hollywood, I'd say that's bullshit, right? I'd say anybody with the right story, time and place can get in and get something made. And I think that's what makes Hollywood Hollywood is anybody can make those happen. It's just how and when, I don't know. That's the secret sauce. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino did not go to film school. Um, he, he's, he's a fan and, uh, and that's where he's, I mean, a, a Uber ultra super fan. Um, but uh, s similar to how I was reading growing up, you know, I didn't go to school for any of these things. It was all from that fan perspective by putting in, didn't look at it as at work at the time. Like I'm sure Quentin Tarantino didn't look at sitting down in the movies at age seven, eight, nine, ten 10 was work. No, he was just enjoying them for the magic of the yeah. movies. Um, but I'm reading but you books think about magic. Think about people who come up in the system, right? They know one thing. They only know what the system has taught them. I came from outside the system and we're telling a story that's not that it's about a world that hollywood doesn't necessarily know and so i think it's i don't know it's been a fun learning experience balance i think you know the military the government trained us to go into afghanistan iraq etc to learn the local cultures make friends uh you know be successful you know accomplish things there uh, and be a problem solver. And I think whether you're in Hollywood or Afghanistan, yeah. right. Uh, Hollywood's just more uh, of a, of a community where they, they, they won't carry a gun and shoot you. They'll just stab you in the back when you turn around. Right. Uh, Afghanistan's just a different, uh, environment. Yeah. I mean, it's all, I mean, life in general, I think is about creative problem solving. Um, and in certain instances, aggressive creative problem solving. Um, but, uh, very similar to some the same way I'm solving problems on pages of scripts or in the novels. It's, it's aggressive problem solving. It's creative problem solving. Um, though if we mess up a script or, you know, if I mess up a book, like, you know, it's, uh, the, the consequences are a lot less dire. That's for sure. Um, sure. speaking of dire consequences, um, what, uh, so, no easy day. Of course, we talked, the book is here and we talked about it on the last podcast, but, um, what did people have when we did the podcast? Was it four parts or five parts? Uh, regardless, four it was, really long. It was <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was so awesome to be able to sit down with you and go through all this. And once again, for me, it's an excuse just to sit down with a dear friend and, and, uh, and hang out for a little bit. But, um, did you get, what feedback did you get after, uh, doing, doing the podcast last time? Uh, it was, it was great. You know, I, I fly pretty under the radar. So the, you know, my friends who listened to it really liked it. I, I appreciated the fact that my biggest takeaway from it, besides getting the chance to sit down with, with you and hang, cause that was, that was my first podcast. And right. This is, I don't do a lot of these. Um, where was I going with that? I'm sorry. I just lost my train of thought. What the feedback was after doing it. Oh, we sat down, we sat feedback. down for five hours. I think we like with, uh, 
with piss breaks. And for those listening, you have the smallest bladder in the SEAL teams. I think the history of the SEAL teams, Uh, but uh, it whittled down to like four from that five or or six, however long we were were hanging out. Not because we edited it, but because just taking breaks, going outside, grabbing a drink, hanging out, talking, and then realizing we had to get back to the podcast. My, my my biggest takeaway, I remember what it was. It was it was that um, I read some of the comments and I appreciated the the fact that that uh, people like the fourth episode where we really got into a little more of the post military career, a little bit of the mental health discussions, etc. Yeah. Um, well, right. Everybody expects seals and the the shoot 'em up big mission stuff, and sure, there's there's plenty of that out there. But I think in in our last episode or whatever, mm-hmm. the, the last yep. little bit, we got into a a little bit of different conversation and. Um, and I thought uh, people would really appreciated that, at least in the comments, the few that I read. Yeah. yeah you do fly under the radar. Are you, cause your Instagram is still private, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've done that from the beginning just cause yeah. there's, I don't know, I, I hate, and I, I'm growing by the day to hate social media even more. I'm uh, if anything, I'm kind of enjoying the possibly this podcast space a little better because yeah. it's, it's a little more of an authentic, uh, a look conversion, right? The Instagram and some of these others have become such a snapshot of what fake bullshit people can peddle. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and at least in, in this format, it's a lot harder to d- disguise things, I guess. And, and so yeah. I don't know. So yeah, but still have my Instagram. Um, but that's it. Yeah. No website or anything like that. So everything that you do is like word of mouth, right? I think I, <laughs> Either you'll laugh. I think I have a Mark Owen website. I think we're standing it up for for the book three okay. thing coming okay. out. But uh, you had yeah, one a long time ago. I can tell you that you once had one at the beginning, yeah. and then I think maybe yeah. it went away or something. Yeah. So clearly, I did not handle that. So I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't design your website. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't involved in that one, so I would have to reach out to my friend that did that for me and be like, "All right, what's the plan? Is this thing still up?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you about First Form. They have amazing products. My personal favorites are the Protein Sticks and the Microfactor Daily Nutrient Packs. And why do I like them so much? Because First Form makes it super easy to get quality protein and nutrients on the go. And I always seem to be on the go. While their products are top-notch quality, what I like the most about them are their values. First Form is so much more than a supplement company. They are deeply committed to both American jobs and your personal well-being. At First Form, they value people. In fact, the only thing they've automated is a tape machine, a symbol of their dedication to providing jobs and making lives better. They care about employing people, nurturing their growth, and genuinely improving lives. Their mission is simple. First Form is there to help you reach your fitness and wellness goals. They believe in a partnership where, if you meet them halfway, they'll help you make progress. Go to firstform.com slash jackcar to receive free shipping on any orders over $75. That's one, the number one, S-T-P-H-O-R-M.com slash jackcar. Once again, that's one, the number one, S-T-P-H-O-R-M.com slash Jack Carr and receive free shipping on any orders over $75. No, I think, I think we'll do maybe a little bit of that, um, around the next book. Cause, yeah. um, that's going to be a, l- a little bit of a different approach, I guess. Yeah. And I do want to 
ask you about that, but it's hard when you're, when you want to engage with people. And for me, I want to thank people is how the, the main thing for social media for me is I want to say thank you to everybody who gives me the opportunity to do what I love to do, which is right. Um, but in going through those comments to thank people, you see the ones of, you know, the nasty ones and you're like, try not to let it get to you. Um, but it takes up a tiny bit of bandwidth. Um, uh, like the other day I saw one and I forget how I saw it because, you know, I'm trying to, I don't read the comments on, um, on YouTube, uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. There is a Facebook, there's a LinkedIn, but I, I, but it's only Instagram and Twitter that I do. And, you know, primarily trying to, you know, share a little bit of this journey for whatever it's worth, uh, provide sure. value to people throughout, uh, you know, not just the week the book comes out, but throughout the whole year, uh, which is another reason I, I do the podcast, but on Instagram and, and Twitter, I will see the crazy ones when people, cause you're just out there. You're just like this. And people from, you know, from behind cover can send that arrow or send that spear or whatever. And you can't do anything back um, because you're just out there taking these arrows. But one person really wanted to tell me that I am the worst at reading ads on the podcast. So I was like, thanks, buddy. I, like, I know yeah. <laughs> I'm not great at it. Uh, it's not my thing. But, uh, you know, it's a hey, part of the part of the but deal. I'm actually know. glad I'm not good at that. Thank <laughs> exactly, you very much. exactly. That's exactly it. If, I'm, if never, I I'm never going to be good at reading. Voice? Yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to be good at reading ads. Um, and it's not uh, well, my goal to get any better at it. But for that, you know, but it did take up a little bandwidth. I'm like, man, God, doing the best well, I can, buddy. Here's my thing with that, right? I have I have a ton of friends, right? And, and I can engage on those with those friends in different formats, different mechanisms, and I know how they add value uh, to my life. And and I look at the social media stuff, that whole landscape of friends, and you know what you consider friends or what, whatever that even is in social media anymore. And, and I, you, you and I, are old enough to see when it, you know, where it all started and where it's grown to. And I, I just can't imagine where it's going to in the future. Yeah. And everything I see around it is just pull it is data mining you, the individual. And so I just am like, man, me as the individual, I, I want to do, I want to provide less of a mine mm -hmm. for people to data mine to then yeah. sell my, my info. Mm -hmm. And so I just, the, the less I do on there, the less fake uh, I, I feel, the less fake friends I have, the, I don't know. I, I get the business side of it. I totally understand that. But on the, on the personal side of it, I the only reason I do it is because I've helped a ton of kids now go to buds. Yep. And, and, and right, some are now at my former command. That, that's that crazy. Out, yes. Right. It's so that's, been that long. It's been that long, right? They reached out when they first read No Easy Day. They joined. They've done their two pups. Now they're a damn neck. And, and doing their thing. And mm -hmm. th that's the whole reason I, every time I go to delete it, I'm like, this is a waste of time. I check this thing once a month. I'm like, all right, well, see how, you know, Jimmy's doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it's probably much healthier. The way you've handled it is probably much healthier, especially with everything that happened after you, after you got out in the publication of the book. I mean, I can't imagine how much worse things would have been had you been glued to social media or glued to comments or, or whatever yeah. else. Well, um, that was part of my intent from the beginning of always doing the, the pseudonym bullshit and, and not showing my face. Right. It was, there was never a reason to come out per se or, or be anything. Right. That's uh, right. I think that's what I'll, I'll talk about a lot in my next book is right. I, I chose the pseudonym. My, my real name leaked. Right. Um, 
there was, uh, I'm going to talk a lot about that whole process. Um, how, how yeah. what stage are you, are you in on the, on the book right now? And have you thought about ever showing your face? Like as things go, you know, get to uh, move along here. Um, and mm, I, more, I, don't, I don't see any value in, in my ugly mug. Um, right. There's, there's honestly no value in that. Right. I, I've done public speaking. I've done all the things that I've done and I, I'm not out there. Um, and that's pretty easy to do. I've done that for a decade now. Yeah. Um, my real name leaked. I'll, I'll give you a teaser. You know, my next book may be written by Mark Owen, co-authored by Matt Bissonette. I Ooh. don't know. We'll see. Nice. Uh, I like it. That's a good, that's clever. I like that. So, so we'll see. Nice. Uh, are you working out with Kevin Maurer again or what are you, are you, what are you, uh, what's, what's this look like? We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm definitely not smart enough to write this by myself, but, uh, but I, I want, I want my voice. This, this is a different story. This isn't my wartime story. This is yeah. my, my getting out and my, my mental health journey of, of getting out of the teams, which is a hard enough struggle for any operator, but then having the government come after me for the book and just all of that drama that put the extra pressure on just family issues, et cetera, et cetera, getting through that. I think that'll be extremely powerful for people um, because they don't need to have been an operator at your former command and have gone on the, you know, one of the biggest missions in the, the history of special operations and then to have written a book and had the government go after you and dealt with everything that you have dealt with to be able to relate to struggle and adversity. So I think it's going to be incredible. Uh, and I'm, what, what stage are you at? Have you started writing it? Do you have an outline or what's the, oh, uh, what's yeah, the timeline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like? We're, we're 80% through it. Oh, nice. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. And, and I've done, I've done it all so far. So it's, it's good. And then I'm going to do the, uh, I'll do the audio book this time. Oh, wow. Who, who read the audio book last time? For the last I don't time. Know. We, hired, we hired a different person for the last two. Oh, and different person. So weird. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, so this one, this one, I'll do the audio book. And then I was, I was talking to a, a former teammate the other day, talking about it, actually interviewing him since he's also transitioned, right? A lot of the, a lot of the characters in my first two books who have all gotten out and had transitions. Yeah. So you're going to get a little, you'll get teasers from these guys. Nice. And, and they're going to, they're going to read their parts. Potentially. He brought it up. He's like, Hey, I listened to this audio book the other day and, and they actually had the real people and all their voices. That's cool. In the audio book, he's like, it added some more production value, yeah. but he was like, I was blown away with the whole story. I was like, all right, you're on to something. So we'll see. Is, uh, is Walt, going to be one of them we'll see oh no i've i've talked with multiple and uh and and i've got at least two or three that are interested to some degree of at least of at least giving their perspective of their journeys out right like yeah. th think of right we've, we've talked a lot about the stories what guys are in and all the the crazy heroics all that blah 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 we've been we've all, all been out for a while now um how, how do we tell some of the stories in, in a relatable way and in, in a smart way that shows what spec ops guys are dealing with as they transition out and try yeah. and find civilian, you know, meaningful life, passion, work, yeah. family, et cetera. Oh man, that is awesome. Have you, um, have you practiced reading anything yet? You have a great voice. So I think it's a fan. It's a, it's a great idea for you to, to read the audiobook. Have you practiced like reading something yet just well, to see? Maybe, maybe your critic who was talking shit, I ought to send him some samples <laughs> so he could he could critique my voice. And no, if, if I, he gives me if he gives me a good no, go, I'll, you, I'll, uh, I'll 
<laughs> you can't worry about anybody like that. That uh, you already have a good voice. It's your writing, so it's not like you're going to have to do accents like for for Ray Porter who reads mine. I mean, he's doing Russian accents. He's doing Rhodesian accents. He's doing all sorts of of stuff different. He's doing females. He's doing he's yeah. doing all of it. Yeah. Um, so he has to keep that straight in his head as he's reading these things, and it's just insane. Uh, I read the. Uh, a new forward to the terminal list, um, Chris Pratt edition. So when the show came out, I wrote a new forward that had the, uh, like how the show came about, how I met Chris, how I met Antoine, well, Antoine, you gave the book to, by the way, um, for those listening. So I write all about that, write about the veterans we had involved in the show, just how it, how it came about. And, uh, I had the bright idea to recommend or to, to ask if I could read it. And so they said, yeah, that's a great idea. So I'm like, it's five or six pages of this forward and it's me. There's no accents. I'm not doing a female voice. I'm not doing a Russian accent, nothing like that. And so I went into a closet upstairs and hung a bunch of clothes everywhere to absorb the, the sound and ran the cord under. And I had the director in New York on the other, other line. All I had to do is read my own words without these without accents or anything else. It was so hard. It was so much more difficult than I thought it was going to be. And I kept messing things up and I was like, anyway, I have so much respect for the narrators who read these books, who have to do all those accents and keep all the characters um, uh, straight. And anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to dissuade you though. Now I think I'm, you're going to be great. Nervous. No, you're going to be nervous. fantastic. And, and, and it just, it reinforces, reinforces my friend's idea here that, that they need to come in and actually play their positions in the dialogue. And, and it, uh, it'll be fun. We'll see. That'd be cool. You could even do a little, like add things to the the chapter in the book. You could have a part that it, are like a conversation between you and them as a, as like a bonus feature on an audio. That's uh, so it's another reason for people to go to the audio rather than and and get the book itself and have almost a different experience with each one. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's really tying mediums. that in with podcast format. Some something right there's there's something in there, uh, and I think that's what I was alluding to earlier with less social media and more. Right. Where content is going, people are tired of fake content and in the short lump pieces that's easily edited and, and fluffed, it's all fake. Mm. You don't you don't believe it. Well, if I can sit down and listen to Jack Carr for 45 minutes or an hour, I get a real good vibe of who Jack Carr is, what he says, what he believes in, how he delivers himself, how he speaks, etc. Yeah. Um, and I think people are are there's more value there. Um yeah. People are tending more to that because it's a real connection that they're getting rather than an Instagram post with right. a whole bunch of fluff. Yep. Yeah. But the nonfiction space, certainly, um, if you're not on uh, podcasts and not on social channels engaging, but you read your own book, uh, for sure, where you just like your voice intonations and things that you stress and emotion in your voice, I mean, it's so personal. So I think that's a, uh, that's a, a fantastic way to connect with an audience if that's your chosen uh, medium in which to do so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that, that like Jocko reads his, um, and, uh, some people, you know, they hire somebody else to read a professional, but on the nonfiction side of the house, especially how personal this third book is to you. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm all in on that. I think that's a, a solid move and don't answer this, um, or we can edit it out that, but do you, do you have a title? For yet are you planning on announcing a title or what's uh, what's going on there yeah we we might have dropped it in the last podcast and and i've been teasing at it right i got to work with my publishers to you know get it all done but 
what what I would love to see, right? And and right is is knowing all the the backstory that you know and my government drama with with No Easy Day and and all that. I want to use the exact same cover as No Easy Day, and, and I literally want a one line in Navy fashion day. <laughs> Right. And I want to put way right above it. <laughs> yeah. Because it turns out one single day is not long enough and it's no easy way. It's more of a journey. It's more of your okay. entire life mm-hmm. and uh, it's not a day. So I, I just kind of like the simplicity of one lining it. It's uh, at least people recognize the cover. So if they're walking by yep. and, and like, oh, I, I read that, that guy's first book. What, what's this one all about? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, this picture has been copied so many times. It's such an iconic photo now, but it was the the first one like this. And then you saw it pop up, um, a few other places as well. well. And I took that, I took that photo for the NRA before we published the book. And I just happened to have that photo and I used it on the, on the copy. Yep. I, re- I remember, um, I remember I had a an very early copy of this photo that, uh, that you texted me and man, yeah, I think that'd be awesome. So you one line that you change, change that up there. And maybe what do you think? Same color, even backdrop or cha- or make it like a, like a blue or a red or something like that. So people know it's not the same book. They don't walk by like Hudson news and out of the corner. There are like, they're not saying, Oh, I already read that one. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's got to have some extra flair and, right. and I am not the expert in the flair department, but the, <laughs> uh, but but yes, we we will add some flair. Oh, I'm already thinking about it. I'm already uh, I'm already I'm already putting my well, my brain into it. Yeah. Man, yeah, so it, yeah. That'll be the uh, that'll be the end, and then Mark Owen will go uh, disappear somewhere. Man, that oh man. Well, I mean, that was your goal for a while now is to go someplace peaceful, isn't it? Well, it, 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 yeah, so to speak, right? You know, you know, I like to keep busy, etc. But just from a, a public persona standpoint yeah. right i chose the marco and fake name it, it clearly didn't didn't stick there's plenty of other people out there using pseudonyms and they use them daily uh i, I always constantly called my real name no matter how much i try fine I'm, I'm gonna you know address that in the book it is what it is uh it doesn't mean i have to run around and 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 you know get on the news and say hey look at me that again that doesn't add any value to the story um so so yeah, that is what it is. Oh man, I'm looking forward to to reading that. What's the timeline on it? Um, we'll see. We, because the review process, um, oh, we, that we, might take a, ten years a, for you. That's I'm sure they'll unknown. rush you right to the top of the stack. Well, well, and think about this, Jack. Th- think about the fact that I am going to very openly and honestly discuss how the government treated me. Mm-hmm. Like very honest, talk through the whole process. um of the interrogations and the just the legal drama and the all of it and and i'm going to very blatantly show the double standard and so so yeah they're they're not gonna like it they're gonna want to suppress anything i have to say because it's it doesn't look good on them um so so we'll see i have no idea the timeline i clearly am going to get it reviewed and go through all those steps you know, that, that whole process you and I know is an absolute joke. They haven't fixed it. They haven't changed it. And, and I was the only one targeted in any of that nonsense and they haven't targeted anybody since, but, but yeah. so for that, for that answer, I can't give you a timeline because I'm yeah. going to get this thing reviewed and I guarantee they're going to come try and kick me in the nuts. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because they, 
Well, you mentioned interrogations, and uh, I mean, I should be thanking you for the interrogation scene in uh, the terminal list, both in the show and in in the book. And it's very personal for a reason uh, <laughs> in writing that that chapter, and then it makes it into the uh, makes it into the show with with Chris Pratt as well. So, um, you know, it's uh, yeah. Thanks for thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can. Yeah. Got to turn it into a positive, you know, got to turn it into a positive, but, uh, well, I, think, no. I think all of this is right. I, 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 the point of me writing the third book is, is a, it's, it's got to help me pay off my first book. Cause I've, I've got a lot of debt to the government on that one, but it's also got to share a positive message yeah. because if you'd ask me, you've, you've known me well enough to know I was, I was very unhealthy and unhappy when I got out and, and right. The government stuff, I was, you know, to say I was suicidal over this would be an understatement. It was a lot. And so to, to get through that and, uh, and, and get to a position where I can look at the government shit and just kind of chuckle at it now, learning some patience, learning some perspective. And, and here I am, yeah. um, so yeah, that's that's why I'm, I'll share book three. Yeah, I uh, I don't I can't think of anybody who could have handled it better. That was a lot of stress, and <laughs> and you made it through. Like you didn't, you know, you put on a strong front uh, during that time. And man, I don't know anybody who could have dealt with that as well as you did. Like I, I felt like I was still in battle, right? You yeah. felt you were still at war. I, and so like, I, I'll talk about it in the book three. All right. Now I finally feel 10 years after getting out, right. Mm-hmm. I'm finally transitioned and out of a, a warfare mindset of everything's a battle and a, mm-hmm. you know, and I think for the first five years after me getting out and dealing with the government, I was not transitioning. I was in a battle for my life against the government that I served. So I was, I was very confused and upside down and trying to process all that. Yeah, man. So tough. Um, I think they'll probably, I mean, if I was to guess, we'll talk about it again when, after the book comes out and I might be completely off base, but I think they'll treat you fairly just so that, we don't, we're not on here talking about how they, you know, once again, singled you out in this book, but look at this person's book over here who is at the top of the list because they were an admiral or a general or a politician or whatever it is. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking it's going to come to go to somebody's desk. And if they have, you know, any sort of integrity in there at all, if someone asks, what should I do with this? They're going to say, treat him like anybody else. Just go through there and, you know, do your job. So I, I'm hopeful. I doubt that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm a, I'm a glass half full guy. You are. Jack, know this. Yeah. Right. Like that, I'm always the positive and yeah. all of this. And I just, I've seen it for 10 years and they've let me down every single time. Yeah. So I, I don't have any high expectations for, for anybody on the government side to do it right. I know. We'll submit it. We'll go through yeah. the process. And... Yeah. We'll talk about it. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be very yeah. interesting to well, see when the, the interesting old thing to see is this will have nothing to do with tactics, techniques or procedures, right? Yeah. What, what can I'm talking about my life after the military, yeah. right? I'm talking about my mental health journey and, and what, you know, the, they tried to do to me after I got out. None of that has anything to do with, right. The, the tactics, techniques and procedure bullshit they tried to pin on me before. Um, so, so we'll see what they can even come back with. Yep. Interesting. In, in an attempt. Let's see. Are there the four banger on this? Nope. Yeah. I was just, I was just going to check, just double checking to see what, uh, what nods were on, on the cover. Nope. So you're good. 
Yeah. 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 Because <laughs> yeah. you don't want to let out that there's knobs that don't look exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. Even Just though- have them Google it right there while they're interrogating. <laughs> Crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was interesting. That's for sure. Jeez. Um, when you look back today and you look back at everything you did over your time in the military, particularly at your, your last command, and you think about that, the mission that you write about in the book that they've of course made movies about. And it's, I mean, when you look back at all those missions leading up to that point, um, which one like stands out as one that was deeply impactful either because of something that went right something that went went wrong something that you take forward with you to this day either as uh perhaps a regret or as something that you look back on and build upon and apply to your daily life now or maybe not daily life but apply to adversity and situations now you look back is there a a mission or two that stand out in your mind that have really impacted you Oh man, that's a that's a, a good, broad, deep question because I, I like to think I learned something from every mission, right? There wasn't there wasn't a mission I didn't go on that I was like, I have to learn something from this. But but if you're talking for something big, my mind goes back to to write um, one of the first missions. I think it was my first mission we ever went on, Iraq War, right? We're gonna take off from Kuwait, fly uh, up to secure the Haditha Dam in Iraq. Um, we, we do our whole thing, right? We, we fast rope in at night. There's nobody there. The next morning, the sun comes up and there's literally triple A guns locked and loaded like a hundred yards away from all our insert points, right? Like had any 15 year old kid with any know-how how to shoot those things could have shot us down easily, yeah. right? Somehow in all our mission planning, we didn't catch it, whatever it was. We didn't know what we didn't know. Yeah. A- and we stumbled into this trying to be really gung-ho. It was our first one. We thought we had all our mission plan. We hadn't, we hadn't thought through everything and we didn't know. We didn't know. My point to all of this is I apply that to everything in life. You only know what you know, what you've been exposed to. You can go in with the best intentions, whether it's your next book, whether it's into the entertainment industry or, or whatever path you choose. You only know what you know, mm. um, and you can create the best plan of attack around that. But there's always this piece of the unknown, and you'll only figure that out once you get there and have to deal with it, once you're faced with it. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that'd be my biggest takeaway because I, I apply that whether it's Hollywood or anything else I'm doing. There's a contingent of unknown. that we're going to have to deal with when we get there. Yeah, man. I thought you were going to choose two different ones, but uh, in that same deployment, how long was it from that to you in a house having, did, did, did the long gun go click and then you transitioned to the pistol? That's Yeah. Yeah. But that was, yeah, I'm sure assaulting up a set of stairs, long gun goes dry or not dry, excuse me, jams transition to my secondary. I was a huge proponent of carrying a secondary, a, a pistol, right? For for most of the rest <laughs> of my career, when a lot of guys transitioned away from it for weight reasons, et cetera. Uh, certainly in the in Afghanistan, I was always uh, nope, I'm running my pistol because I've had that. Um, but but yeah, even over time, I eventually got rid of my pistol, depending on you know time and place to, and and how you know much I how much faith I had in my M4 not jamming. 
Yeah. I mean, I did so much because you were learning so much at such a rapid rate at the command that you were in. And I was the uh, very fortunate beneficiary of um, both TTPs and gear. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> I think I have a garage full still of your stuff. Um, and, uh, but, but I kept, I always kept the pistol. Uh, and I remember when you stopped carrying yours, um, that was one thing I didn't adopt. I kept mine because at that time I was also taking my body armor off a lot to go into meetings and things like that. So I always wanted to have, and you had to leave the M4, you know, either outside or whatever. So I was always, even if I wasn't supposed to have that pistol, I always had it anyway. And so I would take it off and it would look like I'm leaving my, you know, my, my M4 and my body armor behind and going to a meeting, whether it's with a lot of times with U.S. people, State Department people, or whatever else, but uh, I always kept my my pistola and just had to, you know, pull the shirt out and, you know, that's always had my two two six right right there. Not the yeah. most easily concealable pistol, uh, but that's was thing. That's what we were issued, and that's fit my For hand sure. right. Absolutely yeah. love it. So that's one that I that's I think one of the only things that I didn't adopt that you passed along, but uh, I sincerely appreciate everything that you passed along because it wasn't just for me because then I got to share it with my guys as well. And so I pretty really sincerely well, appreciate and the, that. And the pistol thing was time and place and mission set, right? If if we're storming the castle as a, a squadron of assaulters, that's different than hosting some meetings, going in, doing doing anything, low vis, etc. Mm-hmm. It was when we were rolling in hard with you know the gorilla package, and you're going to go lay the smack down. I, I'd usually opt for more hand grenades or forty mic mic or you oh. know M four mags than 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 the the pistol. Yeah. Owning a rifle is an awesome responsibility. Building rifles is no different. Started in a garage by a Marine veteran more than two decades ago, BCM, Bravo Company MFG, designs, engineers, and manufactures life-saving tools built to a professional standard. BCM builds professional-grade AR rifles and offers a huge and expanding line of upgraded accessories for the rifle, including buttstocks, pistol grips, optic mounts, handguards, vertical grips, and a lot more. BCM is partnered with veteran American Special Operations Forces instructors to ensure our customers have access to proven training to employ critical hard skills under stress. Every BCM product is a collaboration between our design, engineering team, and combat veteran end users. BCM components improve handling and reliability in all scenarios, addressing shortcomings discovered in real-world conditions with legacy systems. We assume that when a rifle leaves our shop, it could be used in a life-or-death situation. Each component is hand-assembled and tested by Americans in Heartland, Wisconsin. Bravo Company MFG is an employee-owned company. Visit us on the web at bravocompanymfg.com and on Instagram at bravocompanyusa. But, uh, and then what's, and the other one that stands out because we've talked about it a few different times is uh, when Jimmy Hatch got uh, got shot um, and, and what you guys were doing doing at that time. And then the, the chaos, like, um, just knowing you for as long as I have, if I was to go back in my head and think about the times that we have talked, probably the, uh, the M4 going dry or not going dry, the M4 going click when it should have gone bang transitioning to the pistol. And then the, the mission where Jimmy got, got wounded. The, and, and the one Jimmy got wounded, there was so much going on there. There's, there's small lessons, you know, small little lessons learned there, but, but, Honestly, for what we will we were dealing with on the battlefield, tactically it was it was unfolding as best case as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Each each kind of maneuvering element had their own 
uh, action going on. Um, yeah, that's that's just a big debrief one, just because you know your team leader and somebody close to you gets shot right there, and you're you're dealing with all that. Um, I guess my my answer back to the very first mission was just more holistic, big picture throughout my career. How have I applied that to to what I'm doing now? Is hey, you only know what you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, now being on the the other side of a lot of a lot of all this, um, growing up in in Alaska, which uh, which you talk about a lot in your in your second second book, we talk about it in the the podcast, the first episode of the last podcast that we did together, last podcast series that we did um, did together, and then the military, and then everything you've dealt with personally and professionally from the government side over these la- this last decade. Now that you're you know m- more on the other side of it still having to, you know, pay a little bit back to the, to the, to, to, to uncle sugar. Um, now that you're on that other side of th- those experiences, um, and you look back on them and now do you feel like you're in a place where you've like reset and are, 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 I mean, you're always moving forward, but do you feel like you hit a reset point? Cause it seems like youth into military military into everything else that happened after you got out with the book and everything else it was just like like no stops between those two there wasn't like a reset point it didn't feel like from me knowing you and then and then looking at it from the outside it seems like one to the next the next the next do you feel like now you've taken a breath and and uh that's been helpful or do you feel like you've just continued to to sprint no um Man, I want to get to that breath so bad, but I can't get there yet. Right? Mm-hmm. It's been it's the I've been in combat mode. I got out. I immediately got kicked in the nuts by the government stuff, and and as you know, I dealt with that for a really long time. Um, and, and I'll write a book to get into all the details of it. But um, and and now to be to be having to pay back debt on the first book i've I've got a 15 year payment plan right so if i make every payment back to the government i'm going to be paying them back for another 15 years so so no that's that's not closure that's not anything that's me still in the fight trying to figure out getting that closed my my hope and my dream someday is that that i'll get some of that closure and be able to okay all this government bullshit trauma is mm. finally done. My my debts to society has been paid. It's over and done with, and I can now breathe. At that point, then then hopefully you'll see a different change in me. But in, until then, I, I can't. I, I don't know how else to do it. Man, do you carry any resentment towards the towards the government because of what you went through, or are you just like? Because you always seem so even keeled. You know, even seem you know so positive. Jack. Jack, you know me well. Come on, I'm, of course I do. But I've yeah. had. Has it tempered? Course. Has it been tempered over over time, or what is it? Yeah, yeah. I was like I told you, I was suicidal over this, man. I was gonna check the fuck out, right? I did all this work for my government to get out, write a book in the best way that I knew how. I hired a lawyer. I did all the right things that I thought, and then they came after me. They came after me in an election year where they came. They whole bunch of nonsense around it and then they they tried to absolutely crush me over it right felony charges for what then it downgraded the misdemeanor charges for what proven that went 10 years until finally they were like okay there's nothing here there's nothing classified in the book just give us all the money back 
I'm like, fine, take the money. They're like, well, there's there's money missing. I'm like, well, that's what I've used to defend myself against you assholes. So now I'm paying that money back. So yeah, I'm still in the fight. We'll uh we'll get it figured out. Man, like also when you think of the like state of the country and you think about future generations and you think about all that sort of thing, are you uh are you hopeful or can you separate your experience from what you assess when you look at society in general, culture in general, um, or are those two things intertwined? I think I've lost faith in a lot of systems in Mm. which I put a lot of faith in before. Mm. Right. And I, and I'll, I'll say the seal teams, I put a lot of faith in a certain level of expectation into the seal teams. And I'd say, right. Uh, 30% of those around me had the same expectation. You're one of them, right. You're right. The 30% of the guys that I still friends with and super tight with, I believe that they, they believe the same level of the teams that, that we did, but the others eh, maybe different, right. And no, no judgment, just different. Um, uh, you know, my faith in the government, the United States government and their ability to be fair and open-minded, forthright, any, any of that, I, I, that's been questioned through my process. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, I've reconnected with my my religious faith, and that's been the one thing that's grounded me through all of this and given me at least a little bit of like, okay, that, A, how the fuck did I survive my career? How the, you know, all the survivor's guilt that comes with that, the withdrawal from that, just all of that nonsense, dealing with all of that, dealing with the fact that we left, right, billions of dollars of military equipment in Afghanistan, yet I'm going to be paying for the next 15 years. Like that's, that's been a, a, a bitch to process, to be honest. Yeah. Did, uh, you're pretty, you seem like you're a pretty forgiving person. Um, has that time reconnecting? <laughs> yeah, reconnecting to that face. Have you forgiven like those people uh, who came out really Ooh. hard against Ooh. you? Like, have well, you f- or not? Why are you asking those tough questions? It's hard because yeah. some of the most vocal that were that were very anti Mark Owen for writing, right? Admiral McRaven <clears throat> has gone on and written books and done his own thing. So, so the hypocrisy is so visible, it's laughable. And, and so, for anybody smart enough to look at it and see it, it's kind of like, wow some justification and, and look, t- time reveals a lot. Mm. Right. And, and if I was going to be the, the asshole that a lot of people said I was for writing a book, seals don't write books, right. All these headlines that came out, you know, Marco and leaked secrets, all this other nonsense, any bad headline you read about me. Um, I don't know. I, I just, yeah, I'm over. It. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, like there's forgiveness is a powerful thing. I think the most, Best, of course, being subjective. Um, chapter that I ever wrote was for the last, not this last one, only the dead, but the one before that in the blood. And it's just a chapter with uh, Caroline Hastings, who's the the mom of Rafe Hastings, who's a, a character, um, former SEAL, and Reese, also former SEAL. But it's Reese talking to Caroline Hastings, and she's the matriarch of the Hastings family. And she, it's just a conversation between those two. And it's early on, I think it's chapter three or four in uh, in in the blood. And it's uh, it's about forgiveness, and it's about her passing on this lesson 
to him. And so really the book is, uh, I mean, it's uh, a sniper centric novel of violent resolutions. That was my theme uh, as I went through the, the novel. That's what I was thinking about constantly, but it's really a book about forgiveness. And it seems like there is so much, I don't say it seems like there's so much power in forgiveness. So I was just curious because you went through a lot, uh, but I'm just curious if you think about it in those terms uh, or not. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it, when you explain it that way, I would say, yes, I have forgiven them because I'm at peace now. Right. I'm, I'm, uh, when I think of all the bullshit that they tried to put me through all of that nonsense, right. A, they didn't know what they didn't know. Right. I didn't know what I didn't know. Here we are. Well, now, now I have that experience. I have all of that bullshit that they put me through. I have that knowledge and I'm now stronger, smarter, and more capable because of it. Yeah. Now, did I get kicked in the nuts a few times? Yeah. In the moment, was I feeling sorry for myself? Sure. There was definitely some periods of that, but that's, that's not what we do and that's not how this works. And so, uh, yeah, here we are. You to get off the podcast and then, uh, go to your, uh, was the Adam Sandler movie where guys like, Oh man, I totally forgot about all that in high school. <laughs> and like, crosses out the name. <laughs> oh. I'm going to have to kill you now. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Um, and now it's been till August, 2021, some times passed since then. Um, looking back on that, I mean, we did our last podcast fairly, fairly right after that right was right because we did it in august we released it in january i forget exactly the timeline but when you look at how we left afghanistan man it is just so difficult to see how we left see how quickly politicians and the media pivoted to other stories and then to see these senior level officers who were in charge during that time now move on to whatever job they're going to do next, which is probably sit on a, a board of company or companies in the defense industry, um, shake hands and slap each other on the back for a job well done. I mean, yeah. that's, they give me a lot to work with in the pages of my novels, which is very therapeutic <laughs> by the way. But, uh, how do you, how do you process that after you sacrificed so much there after you lost so many friends there, saw people come home totally changed having to deal with that for the rest of their their lives whether it's physical or emotional the trauma of the battlefield um how do you process that how we left afghanistan and how our senior level military leaders handled it uh, other than an absolute gut punch I, I i'm still having a hard time articulating even to myself how i feel about it Right. That there is a lot of emotion behind that for me to be like, wait, wait, let's, let's just go ahead and rewind this and think where we are and how all this ended. Mm -hmm. Like, what the? Mm. Mm -hmm. and, and then, right. And I've heard you speak on this the lack of accountability at the leadership levels, right? Zero, right. I'm talking about accountability. They want to teach me, the enlisted guy, accountability, and I'll pay back more money than I ever made in my entire service. But there will be right, billions of dollars of equipment and zero accountability. Yeah. So, again, it goes back to the, the hypocrisy in the systems. The systems let me down. I think systems will let a lot of people down um, always. Um, they will always let us down. And we can go back and look at every conflict. You know, I'm, I'm a lot more dishearten, disheartened by just the level of leadership. As I look at, you know, my children, what I want them to serve. I'm very proud of my service, but at the same time, I, I, 
I, I glitch on that a lot of times because I, I'm proud of the service and the people that I served with, but I look at the leadership and why I got involved in a lot of those conflicts. And mm-hmm. A, it was when I was younger and gung-ho and didn't know any better, just wanted to prove I was some sort of badass. And then when I was, you know, old enough to realize what was actually happening, I'm like, wow, this is really, we should try and avoid this shit, right? There is a time and a place for some smackdown. Uh, I believe in that wholeheartedly. But the way in which we've gone about it and, and, and the, the right to the, the, the whole Af- the approach to Iraq, the approach to Afghanistan, you and I had long discussions about this at the right at the enlisted level years ago. We knew it wasn't on track. So so the fact that the, the senior leadership couldn't see it and now everybody's shirking their responsibility and all the, the decades of bad decision making while, while holding enlisted guys accountable for some stuff is, again, yeah, well, Lieutenant Colonel Paul Yingling nailed it back in, uh, I forget the exact year he did it, let's say 2004, 5, 6, 7, somewhere in there, uh, where he said, a private who loses a rifle gets in more trouble than a general who loses a war. Uh, Ooh. That's, Ooh. A, yeah, that's close, yeah. anyway. If I, I'm paraphrasing, but it's uh, it's close. The, uh, the, the intent is, the, is there, but I think that's, uh, yeah, that, is, that certainly played out in real time in August of 2021. It actually played out for 20 years. If you see these guys going in front of Congress, and uh, I think we talked about it in the last podcast, but reading the book, The Afghanistan Papers by Craig Whitlock, um, sure. they two Washington Post Freedom of Information Act lawsuits uh, opened up these these uh, conversations, interviews with with the same people who are going in front of Congress saying, we just need more time. We need more money. We need more troops. The, uh, the, the, our partner forces are making progress. Uh, we owe it, but same thing. Yeah. The people with stars on their color said the exact same thing for 20 years in front of Congress for the most part. Um, and then he juxtaposes that with what they were saying and what they thought were going to remain classified histories of the war. And it's 180 out. So they were lying to Congress, they were lying to the American people, and by default, they were lying to their own troops. Um, yep, but no accountability. And for some reason, that started changing after World War II. I think we talked about that on the last podcast, too. But George Marshall, in the lead up to World War II, during World War II, he certainly held those, uh, anybody in a leadership position, if they, maybe he'd give them a second chance, but... I don't think he gave too many third chances uh, and he held them accountable. He moved them out of the way and put somebody in those spots who could lead us to victory and hence all the names that we know uh, from World War II who led us to victory. And then for some reason, everything gets reorganized, 1947, reorganization of the military and intelligence services, and that accountability starts to drop off until we get to where we are today, where people just continue to fail upward and uh well man, we've seen you're, you're, you've got to be surrounded by a whole bunch of yes men right because if any of your your underlings are telling you something you don't want to hear you remove them you get rid of them right I, I just don't i don't think there's much value in that right you've got to have the different opinions and, and in our society whether it's political government military you name it the, the day and age of having people think differently than you and them being friends are over right now it's you're just mortal enemies and you can never see you know make middle ground that's that's unfortunate yeah man and when people ask you uh when you're at a speaking event or just in passing they're like hey my son or daughter wants to join the military or um you know can you write a recommendation for a for a uh for west point or naval academy or whatever uh what do you say to that parent that's like hey 
you know, I'm seeing these things on TV. I watched the Afghanistan withdrawal. I've never been in the military, but uh, I can look at something and apply some common sense to it. And I don't know if I want to encourage my child to join the military, uh, but they really want to do it. What, what do you suggest? What do you say to that parent? I've recently had these conversations because this this kid who just went to boot camp, he's on his way to Bud's. I know his parents. I know him and have had a lot of conversations, right, from the mom perspective, the dad perspective, and then the, the young kid who's off to Bud's. And, and I just tried to, to, to paint the picture to the parents that, look, it's not all roses and it's not all, right, there is a lot of side effects to this job. And here they are. Let me lay them out for you. And you may not like the sounds of a lot of them because your son's signing up to put his life on the line, right? He's not signing up to, to play an instrument in the band or do other things. He's signing up to be a Navy SEAL, which makes him a political tool to some degree. And that political tool is very much controlled by the political idiots in, in Washington, D.C. And, and you need to understand that correlation. And I think they at least understand it. Don't go into it blind thinking that, well, there's a whole bunch of checks and balances. And, you know, my son won't be sent into harm's way for some political agenda or otherwise. You can't say that. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. And we're and we're seeing it recruiting wise. You're seeing it across the board. It's so it's so tough and it's so disheartening and uh, and unnecessary. And you mentioned, I mean, we talked about common sense and it's uh, it's interesting that both George Marshall and Carl von Clausewitz uh, identified common sense as one of the most important attributes of a battlefield leader. And yet we saw that almost completely lacking in the entire withdrawal process. And yeah, it's tough. It is tough to deal with, but uh, man, let's end this on a good note. Let's see if we get, man, gosh, that's hard thinking about that sort of thing. You know, gosh, I've, I, I I've got a good one day. for you. I've, I've, I told you about the crossing guard story, right? Did we talk about that so. on the last so. podcast? I don't know. Remind me. The, the, you, you would remember if I told you this, the, the, okay. So, right. I, I volunteer at the kid's school um, a couple years ago. I show up at the school. The The school doesn't know my background. They just know I'm so-and-so's father. I'm the day to volunteer, right? They got this dad's program that comes into the school to volunteer. So I show up at the front desk early. I'm like, hey, I'm, you know, so-and-so's dad here to, you know, volunteer for the day. The little office ladies are really excited to see me. They're like, well, great. Can, you know, you can you go work the crossing guard this morning? And they have a stop sign for me in a reflective vest. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm overqualified for this, but it's <laughs> going to be a really safe intersection. So I go out, I'm, I'm doing my thing. I got my stop sign. Cars are coming. People are walking. And this guy walks up and he's, he's parked up the street, wherever he's parked, he's walking up and he's got a kid in each hand. He's walking up to the intersection. And I see he's wearing this hat that says SEAL Team 6 on it. Mm. right and it's it's one of these hats that clearly we don't have and <laughs> clearly you buy on the internet uh -huh. so okay and and i've seen enough of these guys to know this guy ain't looking like the, the, the type that we know yeah. um so he walks in i give him the nod you know he goes in drops his kids off he comes back out and so now when he comes back out i'm like i'm gonna let the traffic go so i can talk to this guy for a second uh -huh. uh, so i look at him i'm like hey man i like your hat you know are you in the teams it's like well i was no, no shit. Like SEAL Team Six, those are the guys that got Bin Laden. You know, you weren't a part of that, were you? And, 
this guy, no shit, right? He looks around like people are looking for him or something. He looks at me. He's like, I was. Like, he was there. Right? He's like, I, I was on the mission. Like, so I just wait a second. I look at him. I don't break my stare. I'm like, oh, shit. So was I. And and I've got my reflective vest. I got my stop sign. <laughs> He's standing there with his Team Six hat on, and we're we're having a stare off at you know at this school. I'm I'm getting ready to you know take him out with my stop sign, <laughs> kill him in front of the school. Um, anyway, we had a we had a little conversation. He was probably very confused how the crossing guard was was asking him what the name of the master chief was and which which chalk he was on one or two and a few mission details that that he very couldn't clearly couldn't answer uh, i then explained to him that i have way too many dead friends in my phone that would take utter massive offense to the fact that you're showing up with a, a, a seal hat on trying to pretend like somebody you're not and uh he better get the fuck out of there so. man that is crazy that people think that they can get away with that. I, I couldn't make that story up. It's too classic. I've seen the guy twice more at the school, right, for events. He's, he's never wearing the hat, and he won't make eye contact. Oh, he won't make eye contact even. No, he doesn't, he doesn't even, I guarantee oh. he's mad confused because he's like, who was that guy? <laughs> he knew all these details. It's like, he's he a very safe school. Out. Yeah. yeah. This school is putting in the effort. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> That is so wild. That's a, that's so good. I got to put it in a book somehow, like as a fictionalized uh, story. Yeah. You know, yeah. traffic, get the little whistle in there, your road guard vest, come here you go, stop sign. That's amazing. I mean, I still oh find it. I mean, it, it is interesting after Vietnam, especially when when it uh, the stigma started to wear off and it became more popular to have been Army Special Forces in Vietnam, how many people started saying that they were army special forces in Vietnam. Um, and, uh, but back then there's no internet yet. And I think some politicians did it. I think there was like a mayor of a town or something like that, that, uh, full had on been a lot easier to hide. Had it been a lot easier to hide pre-internet, right? Yeah. I think now internet, it's just, it's easier to vet or, you know, vet guys. Yeah. But how's this guy thinking he's going to cross the street in Colorado with the hat? I mean, you're going to run into somebody at some point. Who's going to ask you about it? Who's not going to buy your story? Even someone that wasn't in the teams that knows enough to ask what your buds class was, or you know who your swim yeah. buddy was, or whatever else. And uh, yeah. that's that's Ballsy that's move. odd. I mean, it's odd. I think it's it's got to be you know indicate well, well, indicate something else. Doing that, anybody doing that type of behavior already chalks up as odd, yeah. right? And anybody who's going to pretend they're they're already weird to a certain level that that puts them in a category. So. Oh. Man, maybe he's listening to this right now. You know, maybe we can forgive him. We can forgive him. And uh, yeah, yeah, talk about all this forgiveness. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. Oh, man, dude. Oh, that's wild. And gosh, we talked about the book. Book's coming out. We don't know the timeline because it's going to go through the review process. And next time you come on when the book comes out, we'll talk about how that process was and what they what they took out and see how they how they treated you. But uh, aside from the book which uh, I can't wait to, to read. I can't wait to listen to the audio and see how that, uh, that, how that turns out with, with what you're going to do on, on that side. But other than, than that and working on the SEAL team show and uh, word of mouth speaking here and there, what, what are you looking forward to over the next few years? Um, I, I've got some other side hustles that, that are less public. Um, 
so yeah, if, if, yeah, just a hustle on other projects with good people. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, I'll just, yeah, find, continuing to find my balance. I did not have balance for a long time. Mm. I didn't. I knew full speed ahead, all in all the time. And that's how I got to the level that I did. And that was great. Um, but then getting out, I'm like, okay, which direction do I run in in that same all in all the time fashion? And, and there was nothing that, that filled me up the same way the teams did. And so, you know, I've tried to find the balance in life. So I'm not just running full speed in any one direction. I enjoy slowing down. I enjoy spending time with family. I enjoy a lot of things that I that I didn't before. Yeah. And, and you know, I have a lot of discussions with, with friends uh, like you. We talk about how we, we're not reintegrating into civilian life because we, we were really never there, mm-hmm. right? We, we grew up, we went through college, and we joined, right? College isn't civilian life. That's college, Right. Then we joined. So, so reintegrating into civilian life, I don't think we've ever been there to reintegrate to it, to have any idea of it. I think we integrate into civilian life. And I think for me, as I've integrated into this world, it's been really about trying to find balance and, and uh, that, that I did not have for a long time. Yeah. Oh man. Well, we're recording this on October 2nd and it's snowing outside here in park city. So, uh, we'll have to get you out, slap some planks on and, uh, do a little skiing here. Hopefully this winter, uh, I gotta finish book seven. So that's, uh, that's on my plate between now and the, uh, the end of the year. So I'll be locking down on that, but, um, got to get you out here, uh, again and, and hang out and be good to see you. It's good to see you here though. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Cause I know you don't, um, do it often and i sincerely appreciate it and once again it's just an excuse uh to to catch up so uh, well it's fantastic. brother you know i love you do it for you thanks again and and i've, I've got to give a shout out to the ironclad guys um you, you you know how um uh photo conscious i am etc and shy they, yeah, yeah. they've been great to work with through all this stuff so i i, I want to say thank you to that whole crew as well because i know they help you produce this stuff and, and help you with a lot of the heavy lifting oh, um yeah. and i just I, I couldn't say i'm more impressed with them so oh. thanks thanks to that crew please that is awesome and that's a good good hint uh for them to remember to to blur your face out there you go awesome man awesome well hey take care thank you so much for everything and uh hopefully i'll see you in person here soon see you guys see ya welcome to the gear highlight portion of the danger close podcast first off thank you to badass workbench that is badass dash workbench they made this for me and this thing is so solid absolutely love it go and check them out their website and the social channels and Fort Knox safes. I am so pleased with the Fort Knox safe. I will be getting another one for sure. Absolutely love it. So check them out, website and social channels. And why is there a toy up here in the gear highlight section? Well, because it's Magnum's Ferrari and it's Playmobil. And this thing came out and they did such a clever cartoon graphic thing to promote it that uh, I had to pick it up. So check it out. You can they find it on my Instagram, but also on the Playmobil Instagram. Uh, very clever. So check that out, especially for Magnum fans. There are a couple treats in there in that video for you. Uh, what else here? All right. Podcast with Mark Owen. Just talked about the SIG P226 here, which is, oh, I 
love this because I carried it on every single deployment and it just fits my hand so well. So absolutely love this. I think everyone should have one in their collection. So check that out. And Bravo Company. Look at this thing right here. This is awesome. And uh, if you've read the novels, you know that Bravo Company rifles are featured prominently. And check what they did there. Look at that. Cross tomahawks right there. Dropped a little aim point on there for me. Love aim point. And look at that. So thoughtful. So thank you guys, Bravo Company. Need to add a sling to this, of course. Viking Tactics sling will go on here. And a light. And probably leave it like that. Some, uh, some irons and maybe a magnifier. But uh, that's probably what I will add to this right here. So Bravo Company, thank you guys so much. Sincerely appreciate this. I have quite a few of their rifles already. And they sent me this one. So thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Damn, I can't wait to get that thing a run. I'll have to head out to Thunder Ranch in Oregon and put this thing through the paces with Clint Smith. If you haven't been to Thunder Ranch, highly recommend you get out there. And Andrew Arabito, half face blades. Look at that one. That is so sick. He made this for me, geez, a few years ago now, but um, kind of hard to get uh, these days. I think once they go up, I think a newsletter goes out or they drop on Instagram, but as soon as those things go up, they are gone quickly. So, uh, if you haven't picked one up, good luck. And Jocko, look at this. The Mulk Protein Cookie. I feel like I need to work out and get up at 3.30 a.m. if I'm going to treat myself to this. So uh, that might happen after I finish book seven. So uh, check it out. Jocko has so much going on and uh, always inspiring. So thank you. Can't wait to chow down on that cookie. And you might be wondering what a big piece of luggage is doing. Actually, it's not that big. Um, it's I think it's carry-on side, but Sterling... Pacific right here and I put them in the last novel in only the dead and they read it and sent me this so very cool well-made case kind of old school right here has the locks right there super solid and uh, very cool so Sterling Pacific check them out just type them in to Google and they will pop up at Sterling Pacific and make I think two different sizes of uh, this case they look similar just two different sizes and lastly this right here is a collaboration that I did with Ball and Buck. You can find it on my website, officialjackcar.com. Click on shop in the upper right-hand corner, and you can check out. This is a limited edition run, Cross Tomahawks right there. Little uh, Long Live the Brotherhood right there. And there may be the Second Amendment hidden somewhere inside on what looks like washing instructions tag, but little Second Amendment. I love those details. And that's it for today. Take care out there. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. To find out more about what Mark Owen has going on, you can try following him on Instagram at Mark Owen Seal, and be sure to pick up his two books, No Easy Day and No Hero. You can follow me on the social channels at Jack Carr USA. Officialjackcar.com is the website. Click on shop in the upper right-hand corner for the merch. And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next time, take care out there, stay safe, be strong, keep fighting. <laughs> <laughs>